the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A portrait of what the life of a Christian in the kingdom of God looks like. It's found here in the Sermon on the Mount. Next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, we greet you in Christ and welcome you to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner has been focusing our attention on Luke 6, the Sermon on the Mount. And within this sermon, we've been in the middle of a little mini-series, if you will, a series we've simply entitled The Life of a Christian in the Kingdom of God. We're in part four of today's broadcast, so join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with this edition of Abounding Grace. How in the world? And suffering for Jesus, especially when you are slandered and ostracized and looked upon as a fanatic, your family not wanting anything to do with you, how can that be considered a blessed experience and a cause for real rejoicing in our lives? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first reason is that you are never more like Christ and never closer to him than when you are suffering for him. If there ever was a man who lived a life of sorrow, acquainted with grief, who was rejected all his life by the very people he created, and who at the end of his life was spit upon, tortured, and crucified, if there ever was a person persecuted totally unjustly, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, if there ever was a person who saw suffering as a blessed experience, And when he was reviled against, never reviled back. And did not seek to persecute those who persecuted him. Though he very easily could have with the snap of his fingers. So remember, he is the son of God. If there ever was a man who submitted to the will of God. And saw the meaning and the purpose of persecution and suffering for righteousness sake. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are never more like him. Than when people say things about us that are not true or do things to us that are unjust because we love him. And at that time, we are more like Christ, and he draws us closer to himself than any other time in our lives. Do you remember what Jesus said to Paul when he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians? Jesus comes and blinds Paul while he's on his way, and he says, Paul, Paul, why persecute us? You, me. As far as Paul knew, he wasn't going to Damascus to persecute Christ. He was going to persecute people like you and I. But Jesus is saying, if you persecute my children, those who live faithfully unto me, you are persecuting me because I'm the head and they are my body. There is a oneness, a closeness between myself and my people when they suffer for me. Paul later even spoke of it as the fellowship of Christ's suffering. 
So why is this thing a suffering for Christ? Not because of our own lack of wisdom or blind zeal, but why is suffering for Christ such a blessed thing, such a great cause for joy? It is because when we are suffering for righteousness sake, when we are being slandered and ostracized or beaten up and jailed, we are never more like him and we are never closer to him. Jesus tells us the second reason that suffering for Christ is a blessed experience. He says, great is your reward in heaven. Now, when the Bible says God is going to reward us with great and wonderful things, and then he turns around and he says, I'm going to reward the wicked with punishment, that word reward has two different meanings. When God rewards the wicked man, and he always does it justly, that reward is exactly what that person deserves. But when God rewards the righteous, he gives them not what they deserve, which is the same thing as the wicked. He gives them what they don't deserve, free, unmerited grace. Any reward that God gives you and I, is something far beyond anything we could ever deserve, far beyond anything we could ever merit. God's rewards are gracious rewards. They are not ever based on any merit or worth or desert on our part. They are poured out upon us according to the riches of His glory. So do not interpret this reward as some kind of exact payment or compensation for doing right, as if you earned it through your suffering. Beloved, you are nothing by your suffering for Jesus, absolutely nothing. Why? Because it is your just duty for the love that he gives to you. So when the Lord graces us with great reward in heaven, it is not because we earned it by going through pain for Jesus' sake. It is because of him giving us graciously something we do not deserve. Great rewards in heaven. Enjoyment throughout all eternity of the blessings of God. Being heirs with God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a great thought here that I actually didn't see until this week. When, when evil people persecute Christians, they are helping Christians to obtain the great and gracious rewards of heaven. That's what Martin Lloyd-Jones has to say. Whenever anyone lies about you, insults you, hates you because you are in union with Christ, throws you in jail, feeds you to the lions, they are really helping you attain the rewards and blessings God has promised. Listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. This is one of the ways in which our Lord turns everything into victory. In a sense, he makes even the devil a cause of our blessing. The devil, through his agencies, persecutes the Christian and makes him generally unhappy. But if you look at it the right way, you will find a cause for rejoicing and you will turn to Satan and say, thank you for you are giving me proof that I am a child of God. Otherwise, I would never be persecuted like this for Christ's sake. It is indeed a blessed experience. When anyone ever lies about you, slanders you, 
Beloved, you need to go up to Satan and say, thank you very much because you're helping me to become a better Christian. Listen to what Reformed Baptist preacher and author John Rissinger said one time. There was a deacon in his church who was a gadfly. In other words, he was always criticizing John's preaching, criticizing his life. He could, he could never find anything whatsoever to say about him or to him that was of any good. And he was making John's life miserable for him. It had disrupted John's peace. So one time in his private devotions, he tells Jesus, Lord, you know what a fool I've been. Here I preach on the sovereignty of God, believing that there is a purpose in everything that happens. And I've been letting Deacon Jones run me ragged, upsetting my whole inner disposition. I totally forgot that you put him in my life for a purpose. That you're using his harassment of me to teach me patience, to teach me long-suffering, to help point out the weaknesses in me. So that I have to, with humility, maybe even agree with this guy who's always harassing me. Lord, I am sorry. I must go to him and apologize. So John Rissinger goes over to the deacon's house. He says, Deacon Jones, I have to admit that I have had a bad attitude towards you most of the time here in my ministry. And I have to ask you to forgive me because I believe God is using you in my life to make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you may go to hell for it, but I thank you. <laughs> this thing of suffering for Christ is a blessed thing. Even your worst enemy will help you along the way. There's a third reason why being persecuted for righteousness sake is a blessed experience. The first is because you are never more like Christ or closer to Christ than when you are suffering for him. The second reason is because when you are suffering for Christ, great is your reward in heaven. Paul said that the sufferings that I go through are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that I shall receive thereafter. The third reason, according again to Jesus, is because of the good company you get to keep. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If people lie about you and slander you, and try to cut you down and make you look bad, you are in the best of company. Because you have become a part of that great company of men and women that have gone before you and met the brunt of the fiercest of the hostility and anger of this world. And whom it says, this world is not worthy. You are part of that great cloud of witnesses if you suffer for your righteousness. Suffering for Christ is a blessed experience. It is a cause for joy because you get to join the bond of apostles and prophets and great men and women and children who have suffered for Christ's sake so courageously through the years. Now, beloved, this isn't the only place in the Bible that we're told about the suffering of the Christian for the sake of Christ and how useful and good it is for him. Let's just take a few minutes to look at a couple of passages that deal 
with this same subject. Turn with me first to Philippians chapter 3. In verses 1 through 6, Paul is telling us all the things that are true about himself. And he is saying, in effect, I have everything that the world counts as success. If you want a picture of what a successful man should look like, as far as the world is concerned, Paul says, I am that man. Wealth, prestige, reputation, influence, I have all those things. Now Philippians 3, verse 7, and I'll read through verse 11. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, I had it all. I was set. Mr. Successful. Then Christ intervened in my life on my way to Damascus. And now all those things that I counted so valuable as signs and proof of my success are now to me worthless compared to knowing Christ personally, the power of his resurrection in my life, and being able to enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. Of what value are the things in your life which the world counts as successful? People perhaps look at you and say, he or she has a good job. Better than average, well-dressed, popular, security, ease, affluence. What are those things worth to you in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ? If you had to, could you really give them all up? If standing up for Christ meant throwing all those things away, could you do it? Paul said, I suffered the loss of everything for my stand with Christ. And as far as I am concerned, I haven't lost a thing because I have truly gained everything. I have the love of Christ. Now all life means to me is knowing Christ personally, experiencing the power of his resurrection in my life and enjoying the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable. To his death. Paul said, I found the fellowship of Christ's suffering more valuable and more prized than a big bank account, a good reputation, and a good job. Are you telling me, Paul, that when you had ease and affluence, you preferred the fellowship of Christ's suffering compared to comfort and ease and warmth? His answer would be yes. I would rather have Jesus than all of that. Beloved, can you say that? Do you know what fellowship means in Greek? It means deep, intimate communion. Paul said there is nothing like the deep, intimate communion I have with the Lord Jesus Christ when 
I am suffering for his sake. When I am being conformed to the image of his suffering and I suffer unjustly for him as he suffered unjustly for me, there is a deep, intimate communion that I experience between myself and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would trade all of the bank accounts and houses, all the security and comfort in the world for those brief moments of sweet communion with Jesus when I am suffering for him. This passage reveals the deepest of Paul's secrets of Paul's experience as a Christian. Do you know anything at all about those types of experiences? He is telling us that the agony of Gethsemane and of Calvary will be reproduced in the life of the Christian, however faintly. Do you have any idea at all in your experience so far? What Jesus felt at Gethsemane when he set sweat drops of blood and was betrayed by one of his own? Do you know anything about the agony that Jesus felt on Calvary when all of his friends left him and stood there alone, bearing the wrath of God? That agony is reproduced in the life of the Christian, although faintly. My question for you again is, can you bear it? Not only that, can you rejoice in it? Paul said, I would rather experience the agony of Gethsemane and Calvary than be rich and comfortable, because then I know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let me end by reading you just a few more passages, and then I want to close with a few encouraging words for you. If you would, turn to 1 Peter. We're going to read several verses in 1 Peter, that wonderful book we studied when I first started pastoring here at Reformed Heritage Church. We're going to read verses first uh, from chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Sorry. Chapter 3 of 1 Peter, verses 13 through 17. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Ultimately, beloved, no one can harm you because no one can take you out of the hand of God. But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you while you're going through suffering with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Now, Chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit 
of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And now chapter 5, and I'll read verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How? How can anyone talk like this? How can they say, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, cast your cares upon him, don't worry about anything, and then, after you have suffered a little while, there is no doubt about it, God will strengthen, perfect, confirm, and establish you, and it will be while you are suffering. Now, how in the world can a Christian say things like this and have this kind of attitude, beloved? Because they believe in the absolute, total, unrestricted sovereignty of God. That God has foreordained whatever comes to pass in time without exception. And he knows that God has caused all things, all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to the goodness of his purpose. In Isaiah 45, the Lord says, I am the Lord. I have created light and I have created darkness. I create good times and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. I don't know about you, beloved, but in all of this, my weary soul finds rest. When you believe this, it is very difficult for anyone to be able to intimidate you or upset you. And when you believe this, even suffering will be a blessed experience. Beloved, if you are being persecuted for righteousness sake, because you have spoken the truth, Because you stand against the evil of homosexuality. Because you stand against the murder of babies in their mother's womb. Because you object to the tolerance of Sharia law. Because you object to the state acting as God. Because of your vituperative attacks against the God-hating leaders in Washington and Sacramento. Do not be ashamed. And do not compromise when you are slandered or ostracized or ripped from your family and thrown into prison. Remember, 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who call good good and evil evil. Blessed are those who trust in the promises of God. Blessed are those who hold up Christ to the world and say, Here alone, here alone is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Here alone is the Savior of the world. Blessed, happy are those who do the will of Christ no matter the consequences to his livelihood or his well-being or even his life. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon, and again Wednesday evenings at 715. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 